Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we are recording post-Thanksgiving here because, I mean, what a week for Arizona Athletics. And we got the Territorial Cup. We're going to preview that game a little bit later, of course, because, I mean, it's kind of a big game, right? It's always a big game. But first, Brett, Arizona men's basketball played Michigan State in a neutral site game in Palm Springs. And it was, it was a lot like the Duke game where Arizona was clearly the better team, had a somewhat sizable lead, coughed it up late, and then made plays down the stretch to win. Final score was 74-68, and it probably wasn't that close, and yet it was, but I feel really good about this team after this one, too. This is another one of those games where we've talked about on the football side where winners win. Yeah. Arizona, like, they were clearly the better team in the first half. Uh, You know, also Caleb Love will clearly get all... Uh, three-point attempts at the end of the first <laughs> right. half of the rest of the season. That's uh, that's a thing. Speaking of it being like the Duke game, um, but yeah, they looked, you know, I think you saw a glimpse of what their potential is as a team in the first half. With Kylan Boswell looked like, you know, the best point guard in the country in the first half. Early on, yeah, yeah. Maybe showed showed his uh, 18-year-old uh, consistency issues uh, in the second half a bit. Um, but yeah, overall... You know, you're, you're, you like what you see, and it was also really apparent to me, you know, in the first half, you know, you could see the, you could see the additions for this roster and what Tommy Lloyd was wanting to solve in the in the first half and that the defense was just stifling. So good, yeah, so uh, good. And athletic, and in the second half, when some of the guys that have been here for a year seemed a little less inclined to want to shoot the ball, and who are the guys that, uh, you know, took and made all the shots towards the end? It was Caleb Love, it was Kashad Johnson, and, you know, welcome to the party, Jaden Bradley, hitting the best, biggest shot of his Arizona career so far with the, the, the shot clock running down. Um, so you can see that, you know, what you wanted to accomplish with these those three guys in particular is the biggest additions to the roster, at least in terms of this season. They showed up in all the ways you wanted them to show up. Yeah, and I think that's the exciting thing about what we're watching, right? It's, it's early, and there's still room and time for this team to grow, but... In terms of what we were hoping they would be, and we talked about this last week too, right? It seems like that's been the narrative since this season began. They're showing it. Now, are there some things to work on? Yeah, I guess. You know, Umar Balo hasn't been great. Um, Caleb loves his shot selection, I think, is pretty good. You know, he missed a couple that he probably should have made. I mean, the whole team did. Pella Larson did too. A couple of bunnies closer to the hoop. That's something you get better at. But the bench, you know, Krivas is a productive player. Jaden Bradley's starting to find his footing. KJ Lewis is probably better than anyone could have anticipated as a true freshman on this team. And it's just the depth, the athleticism. And you mentioned the defense that they were playing, especially in the first half, where last year's team didn't play. They could play some defense, but it's different defense. Like, this is reminiscent of the best Sean Miller teams, where they would just lock you down and make it difficult. And I was thinking last night, too, after watching this game, it's a situation where even, like, the best Sean Miller, I don't want to, like, try to compare coaches. That's not what I'm doing here. But those teams... You know, the 2013 team, the 2014 team, the 2015, maybe 14 and 15 more. 
like you could hang with them for a stretch, you know, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, maybe even 35 minutes, but you weren't going to hang with them and beat them through 40. And that's what this team, like they had the big lead in the first half and they were showing how much better they were. And yeah, they coughed it up a little bit, you know, in the second half. You knew Michigan State was going to go on a run. It's tough to put teams like this away, especially neutral court. But it didn't matter. Like Arizona gave up the lead. I think they're, I mean, they gave up the lead. They're down by one was their largest deficit of the game. And they came back, retook the lead and pushed it and won going away. And it's such a, it's such a veteran thing to see them do, you know, where things aren't going their way. Maybe they don't get a call. They miss a bucket. The other team makes a great shot for an end one or hits a three pointer from the corner. And Arizona's like, okay, whatever. Just keep running our offense, do our thing. When you have a Caleb Love, when you have a Keyshawn Johnson, guys who want the ball, in these situations. We have a Kylan Boswell who didn't shoot the ball well ultimately, but wants the ball in these situations. It makes a big difference. But yeah, the defense, the athleticism, the depth, it's all there. Yeah. And it was a game where, you know, speaking of the resiliency, like, especially in the second half, it was a, I'm not even going to say necessarily just straight up poorly officiated second half, but it was a weird second half. It was a little clunky. Yeah. They were letting, sometimes they were letting the, the plays go and then sometimes like poor kj lewis had two fouls in a row that were just not fouls and you know <laughs> kashaw johnson had the one on the rebound where i don't know i watched the replay and the guy like just spun and fell down and like that's not a that and that was like his third or fourth foul um and so the arizona faced adversity in that not just in the fact that those fouls were called but they had foul trouble uh so they went to the the, the uber small lineup i for a few minutes it was kashaw johnson at the five Pell larson at the four Pell larson fouled out uh, as I recall, um, you know, they, they faced a lot of adversity. They, they adapted, you know, Balo maybe adapted a little bit less well and his, you know, his free throw shooting became a, became an issue even when they were, I'm not even sure if they were intentionally fouling him or if it was just that the referees were a, a little all over the place and what they were and weren't calling, but it works to Michigan state's advantage with Balo missing free throws. And that's something to be mindful of right down the stretch in games. Yeah. And so, like, if there's something to be concerned, like, th- that Balo's game was a little bit concerning. Um, he wasn't great. Little, but... And I was I was a little, I was a little mildly surprised and mildly concerned. They weren't, we didn't see that much of, of, of Mount Crevis in there. Like, I know it's not a game for him, but in the minutes he played, he looked pretty good. He, he You know, he alters shots, he gets rebounds. I think he's a better free throw shooter than Balo. Well, if it's a game for Balo, it can be a game for Crevis. Right, if you have a big on the floor, and he's probably a little bit, he's a little bouncer. He's a better free throw shooter. He's also just played what his sixth college game. Yeah, I think I think this was Tommy Lloyd not wanting to put a young guy out there in a in a in a you know ranked game environment more than he needed to. But he did it against Duke, so Tommy Lloyd saw something or a matchup that he liked probably more with going uber small. Plus, KJ Lewis was awesome when he wasn't getting whistled for phantom foul calls. Um, his his up and under his you know he had a couple uh, you know just a couple great plays um, so you like what you see this is a I think Tommy Lloyd even said that this was a good growth game for this team uh, and it's you know I think as you if you've sometimes said it you can you can learn learn just as much from a win as you can from a loss right yeah you don't uh, have I to think, lose a game to learn from it like, and I don't. think that's I think that's what this game was in the second half um, but also it was like learning you know confidence building a little bit for for guys like Jaden bradley that hit that shot like that kind of confidence boost can go a long way for a guy that's not necessarily always looking for a shot um and and it can that confidence can sometimes you know 
sometimes young players can defer to the confident players of like Caleb Love on the shots when they know they want it, but also that can rub off on a young guy like Kylan Boswell as well. So we'll see how it how it develops in the next couple of games. Yeah, what I like about a lot of these newcomers, like the Caleb Loves, the Kishad Johnsons, the Jaden Bradleys, even the KJ Lewis, if you want to go on Crevis, is that they all bring something to the table, even if they're not scoring the basketball. Whereas, you know, Caleb Love, he's obviously the like the lightning rod that everybody talked about when they added him. He shot 7 of 20 in this game, made 2 of 9 three-pointers, had 4 assists, 4 rebounds, had that steal at the end that led to the K.J. Lewis dunk. And, like, that's their ex- like, like, I'm cool with those. <laughs> you know, the K.J. Lewis dunk to finish off these big wins. But, like, you watch him, like, he's just playing with an intensity and playing good defense. Right, yeah, and the shots will fall sometimes. They did against Belmont, you know, a week ago, and they wasn't necessarily taking bad shots. Just sometimes they don't fall. But he does other things. Kashad Johnson took five shots in this game, had thirteen points and ten rebounds. You know, had two blocked shots, had a, a four steals. KJ Lewis, that athleticism, getting to the bucket. Krivas plays some defense. Jaden Bradley, even if he's not scoring, he is a pretty good playmaker, and he plays really good defense. Like, there's not. There's not holes in these. Like, there's holes in their games, but they bring something to the table even if the shot isn't falling, even if they're not scoring. And that's how you can win a game like this where, you know, it's 74 to 68. It wasn't the 100 points that Arizona's been used to scoring. It was kind of a grind out, especially in the second half. And Arizona has the pieces to do that. You know, it doesn't have to be pretty ball. They don't have to shoot 55% and make 15 threes to beat you. They can beat you in a variety of ways because their players can do a variety of things other than score. And that's, I think, the most exciting thing about them is that like they are really like, – they're ranked number three going into this game. I don't watch everybody. I haven't watched – like Purdue's going to be a fun game when that happens. And there's other really good teams in college basketball. Arizona's not going undefeated. But I just wonder what it takes to beat them in terms of – does another team have to play the game of their minds? Do they, like, out of their minds, does Arizona have to play a bad game? What does a bad game for this Arizona team look like? Because when you can play defense like they've shown they can play, you'll be in pretty much every single game. Yeah, they're, it's, I think it's safe to say with, with their defense and rebounding, they've, I think they've out-rebounded every team so far uh, in every game, if I, if, if, if memory serves. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah. some of those were against teams you should obliterate on the boards, but, like, you know, if you play good defense and you rebound the ball effectively, which is how you, like, on the defensive end, that's how you, if it's not a turnover, you need to defensive rebound the ball or the possession doesn't end, right? Even if you force a miss, that's how you, that's the period at the end of a defensive stand. Uh, those those two things travel, and they, they show up generally just when you show up mentally and, and, and physically. So I think that, that that makes your floor as a team really pretty darn high. And to your point, like, I, I think for Arizona to get beat, like, hey, it needs to be against probably a pretty good team. If they if they play an average game, they're going to beat an average team on their best day. I think, like they're 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 going to be a real tough out. Now, when you go play Purdue, if you play an average game and if Purdue plays an above average game, you know they're going to lose that game. They need to bring their they need to bring it. But you know, there's going to be ample opportunity with this you know incredible schedule for non conference, and then we'll see how packed the Pac-12 is this year. So so far, it's looking a little shaky around the league. Um, it's early, but these are, again, these are the kind of games also that are going to carry you for March where the, you know, the refereeing was, they let a lot go and then, and then they called some ones that, you know, you had to persevere through. This is exactly Kyle Larson fouled see. out. Yeah. And like, even his one, it's like, was it the right, it certainly wasn't a charge, but it's like, you could just call that, nothing. That, that's one of those plays where you do a no call and it's the, is the best call. Yeah, it wasn't a, it's not like a block either. It's just kind of like, eh. 
I mean, he should he well, should be smarter than that for with you have four fouls. That's on Pella Larson. Like, yeah, I mean, I know what he was trying to do, but also it was a good play by the offensive player to adjust and make yeah. it so it wasn't going to be a charge. And, like, it should not have been a charge. But, no, like, this uh, was not a perfect game from Arizona. Like, we know that. No. And whether it was the fouls, whether it was the inconsistent shooting, whether it was some of the turnovers at times, whatever the case may be, it wasn't their best game. We know they can play better than this. And yet they beat number 21 team in the country. Now, is Michigan State on Arizona's level? Probably not. You know, Arizona was a favorite in this game. Michigan State's good, though. Yeah, they'll be there in March. You never count out a Tom Izzo oh, team, yeah. especially when as talented as this one. But I think that's the point. When you can win not on your best day against a good team, maybe not a great team, but against a good team, it says something. Because Arizona's not going to play their best every game this season. It's just impossible to do so. But they have enough weapons, and the defense travels. As long as you play defense, you don't have to shoot 55% from the field. You can shoot 45. Right? I mean, they finished 46 in this game. But... You don't have to have a great offensive game when you can lock down defensively. You know, it's not as pretty, but it's really damn effective. Yeah, and you know that KJ Lewis is proving that there is some depth on this roster. Uh, they, I think they went eight deep against uh, Michigan State. I, I, I don't know if you thought this at all during the game that I was curious if they would go to a ninth guy on the bench. I think that there was maybe a, a few opportunities. A spot like to Philly so. B or. I, yeah, especially when they were like, you know, having a spot up shooter with like a Jaden Bradley out there goes a long way. But again, I just and this would have been a game to really test, uh, you know, uh, Philly B or or, or uh, I'm blanking on the other year, Maraskis' uh, you know, ability on the defensive end because, you know, Michigan State's got some guys that are decent athletes, mm-hmm. some that are excellent athletes, and I don't necessarily want them guarding them. But I don't imagine been... Tommy would want to test things so much in this game. You know, he wanted yeah. to win. <laughs> I, but, you know, it's at some point you need to, you know, these guys need to, you know, figure it out or or, or they're going to be moving on, right? Um, or you need to have somebody there because, like, think players were going to get hurt. There's going to be – this isn't the first game or last game that you're going to have foul trouble. But it's the sixth game of the year. Yeah, but you, I would love to know who the ninth guy is on the bench. I think it's maybe Philly B right now. Um and this was a game with the foul trouble where you'd, you'd think that maybe you could go there because he also has some height where he could be that kind of four that's not really a four. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see as it, as it goes along. Again, I would have liked to see Krivas get a few more minutes, but that's, you know, Tommy Lloyd is the head coach, and we're, we're, we're podcasters for a reason. <laughs> I would say if the, if the concern for the team after six games, whether six and oh, is that I wonder who the ninth guy will be, I think you're doing okay. Like, that is such a champagne problem to have. And granted, like, injuries, foul trouble, those things will happen. But, like, they have at least three bench guys, you know, an eight-man rotation who you feel really, really good about and some pretty good options for a ninth and even tenth player if it gets to that point. But if that's the base concern is who's the ninth guy, you know, then I think Arizona's in a really good spot at this point in the season. Brett, we're not going to take a break. Let's pivot real quick because as kind of we're doing the recap things, Arizona football. Good Lord, what they did against Utah. <laughs> I, I picked a loss in that game. I know you picked a win, which was, hey, I'm happy to be wrong. We had talked long about it. Has Arizona played like a complete, like their best game? What does it look like? Probably something like that. 42-18 against Utah in a game that wasn't close at all. Arizona was up 21 nothing after the first quarter. The offense kind of sputtered a little bit after that. But it never really got close. It never really got, you know, it was never a tight game. Arizona was in control the entire way and did it 
offensively, defensively, and special teams. So I, I, I would say that Arizona probably could have a more complete game because those middle, middle quarters, they, they sputtered a bit, um, at least on the offensive side. But, boy, that first quarter plus uh, going up 28-0, that's – that's I think what the, the best you're gonna see from from this team against the you know Utah's missing a lot of guys. Okay, injuries happen. This is why we talk about depth, especially when it comes to college football, more than maybe any any podcasters out there. Um, and also Bryson Barnes, you know he didn't. I thought he looked pretty tough in that game. Like yeah. he was looked pretty quick. He made some throws when he had to. We Arizona's can talk about their counting. injuries too. They were still ranked 16th. They had some good wins this season. Like it wasn't oh, yeah. like this was a bad Utah team that came into Arizona Stadium. Well, they're they're they still have plenty of. There's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason why they were seven and three coming in and ranked so high. Uh, but yeah, man, Arizona just first of all the 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 trick play actually works uh, for a touchdown, which was a nice thing. T Mac with the uh, the, the Arizona the double pass high for yeah. all time high for quarterback rating. I'm sure. <laughs> um, you know, we got to you kind of got to see everything you wanted to see in that game in terms of how they were executing, uh, getting guys, getting more guys rotated in against a, you know, real snaps against a real roster. There's a lot of, uh, of, of young guys that got to play a lot. The uh, Hawaiian linebacker that I will let you pronounce the name of. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not taking the bait. But, you know, he, I think he had more, like the second most snaps at linebacker in that game. Uh, played, played quite Playing a bit. Over Justin Flo. Yeah, and and Haimuli, right? Yeah. Um, of all the guys know, and, that I can, I can pronounce their names confidently, Arizona goes with the other ones. <laughs> well, that's just out of personal spite. Obviously. Oh, I'm sure. I have no doubt. But now to your point, like Alki yeah. Riley had a 36-yard catch early in the game. right? Kevin Green Jr. had a catch, even just the skill guys. Mer- Roberto Miranda got a catch, I think. I mean, imagine his first catch on senior day. And the nice thing about this game, besides winning comfortably, was it allowed Arizona to do certain things on senior day in a happy setting, right? You're not down three touchdowns. You decide, I'll just get guys some garbage. It's like Jaden Delora got to play. And of course, like his first drive, he comes in, throws the pass to Miranda, and then gets sacked. Like where he, <laughs> if he finishes a three-step drop or just gets dumped on. But he comes in for the last drive, throws a touchdown to T-Mac, which, cool. I don't mind that. Yeah, <laughs> give Delora his flowers a little bit. He deserves an opportunity because he's been a really great. We noticed it in this game, like how he was on the sidelines for some big plays, just like, running down and all excited for Arizona and everything. He has not quit on this team at all. Whereas Noah Fafito is great in this one. And, like, I like about what I see from him is, like, the turnovers have been cut back. You know, his first, like, three of his first four starts, I think he threw an interception. Hasn't thrown, He didn't turn the ball over against Colorado. Didn't turn the ball over against this one. Never put it in danger. And I feel like there is some of that where the coaching staff has devised the right offense with the skill, talent they have for what Noah Fafita does well. You know, he makes good decisions, gets rid of the ball quickly, still hasn't connected on that deep ball. You know, missed on a couple of them, but I know he has the arm to do it. It's just a matter of timing and, you know, throws it maybe a little bit to the outside where it needs to be more inside to give his guy a chance. Either way, with the skill position talent they have, as long as you don't put the ball in danger, put it on the ground or put it in the defensive back's hands, you're probably going to score some points. You know, Jonah Coleman was good, an absolute stud again. Michael Wiley in the passing game, too, did what you expect of Michael Wiley. And, yeah, the defense just put the hammer down through most of this game. So, I mean, they got one game left in the regular season before the bowl game. But Arizona, I mean, this is a good football team, man. Like, a really good football team. Yeah, I think they're up to, what, number 15 in the college football playoffs? 16 in the AP poll, yeah. Like, it's they're good. 
And it's guy it just makes you think if USC or Mississippi State went the other way, Arizona be <laughs> like way up there, probably above where they're where they should be. But like assuming a, if they, everything went the same way it did, right? And yeah, yeah. and that's and you never know. You never know if they win that USC game if they come out and beat Washington State. Like I do think this is a team that has proven like I have it for AZ Desert Storm that they don't rest on their laurels. They don't get, you know, all right, we've arrived and come out flat. I mean they've they came out a little bit flat against Colorado, but I don't think it was because they thought they'd show up and just beat them or the hangover from the UCLA win. You know, I think it's the early start time on the road. Like, those things can happen. But this team, like, what I think it's impressed me the most is, yeah, they're talented, but their mindset, you know, with every one of these wins, you could be like, okay, if they come out the next week and lose, that's, you know, they, they, they have a top 25 win. That's good enough. And nope, they come out and play another strong game and win. Uh, and they did yeah. it against Utah. Yes, it's senior day. Yes, it's the last home game of the season. But Utah's good. They're physical, and Arizona took it to them in a game where had they lost to Utah, because I think I posed it last week, if you lose to Utah, would you take losing to Utah and beating ASU? And people are probably like, yeah, sure, I would have. Well, they're like, why not get both? <laughs> you know, They came out and played their best game of the season against Utah, coming off you know a pretty good game against Colorado, especially the second half, coming off a really good game against UCLA, coming off a really good game against Oregon State, coming off an even better game against Washington State. Like They don't relax. They don't just show up like they come to win like they come to play hard and win yeah i think a lot of us as uh arizona fans are conditioned to assume that once there's expectations or they've arrived quote quote unquote that there's going to be a letdown and they keep proving us wrong and i hope they prove us wrong for uh, another week if we're uh, concerned about them well yeah and I, I, this is different than the utah game of course yeah right but yeah but you know it's we've talked about it in the basketball setting and i think it applies here where mental toughness is consistency right and i think this is the most mentally tough arizona football roster that uh, i can recall in my lifetime right like even in the 2014 season they had some games that were ups and downs like the 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 hail the, the, the hill, hill mary the hill mary was they should not have been getting beat by that caliphate no, and they probably right? shouldn't have won that came the washington game they shouldn't have won they probably should have beat usc that year but so, they had you know, some close games like that they needed to win to get to where they did. Yeah, and they and they were because they were not as consistent week in week out like this. They had some fluky game. wins. This team hasn't had any fluky wins. No, if, if anything, they've had fluky losses. Yeah, like they've had close wins. Obviously, they only beat Colorado by three. They beat Oregon State by three, but that you know they had a ten point lead late and gave up the touchdown. Um, but yeah, like they're I mean Stanford, they had to rally to win that one. That was an ugly game, I and mean, that was their worst game of the season. Was Stanford, I would say, and it was also the fourth game of the year. So, you know, it's they've been a very consistently good football team. They can play great, but they're consistently good. And that's the mindset, like you're saying. Yeah, and that's that's something that is a reflection of the coaching staff, of the culture. You know, Fish came in talking about culture. And, you know, in my in my professional life, it's like I, I am a believer that culture is what self-sustains. Even like what happens when... What happens in those player-led practices when the coaches aren't around, which are really important in college football? Uh, that's that to me is what culture is. It's not like you all like to go hang out necessarily. It's that it's a culture of high expectations and accountability that I think is showing up in these games. And even when they're you know even when they're you know coming out a little flat, it's like they they self-correct, and that's what culture does. And it's it's a really positive sign for the program, uh, and it's just been fun to watch. Yeah, well, Arizona, of course, does have one more Pac-12 game left in their entire history as they move to the Big 12 next season. 
It's a game they are very much expected to win on the road at rival Arizona State. Brett, let's finally take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Brad Denny of Speak of the Devils podcast to share his insight into what's gone wrong with the Sun Devils and what maybe we should all be concerned with on Saturday. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by Brad Denny of Speak of the Devils. Um, you can catch them on the podcast network. You can catch them on like AZ Family on the TV, if you will, if you believe in that type of medium, you know, <laughs> if you're not just on your phone or on your computer here. But Brad, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Always good to talk to you, gentlemen. Yeah, of course, we're having you on because it's Territorial Cup Week. As ASU fans know it, it's hate week with the Arizona A in, you know, the spelling with the Arizona logo. So I always appreciate them wearing Arizona's logo on shirts and memes and all that. But it's obviously ASU's last football game of the season. Generally, it's the biggest one anyway, but for a team that hasn't been very good, that hasn't had a great season under Kenny Dillingham in his first year, like, I mean, is it, does it have the sense, like the mentality around that team of like, yep, this is what we're playing for. This is what we've been building for. Yeah. I mean, obviously it has been, you know, since the uh, bull band came out in the preseason, this has been circled as the bowl game. And for obvious reason, you know, it's been a, a difficult year for all the, the kind of year zero issues with Kenny Dillingham and then just basically half the roster getting hurt and all the adversity. Uh, so this one carries a lot of, obviously a lot of uh, extra importance and it's a very crucial off season coming up in terms of just the, the portal coming open up on December 4th. So getting some positive momentum, kind of a good note. But, however, I think a couple of weeks ago, a certain development kind of maybe minimize or, you know, uh, uh, lessen the impact this game possibly could have because the biggest win that AC possibly could have this season already took place when Ray Anderson announced his resignation. So that was also, <laughs> you know, kind of like uh, for a number of reasons. Um, so I'm known to say you have to bore your listeners, but, you know, just his departure from that position is something long awaited. And I think that's been holding this program back a little bit because, you know, we've already seen the NIL um, efforts really kind of uh, pick up a little bit and that under Ray's leadership that had really, I mean, a few years ago I sat down with him and he said, and when I brought up the topic of NIL, just kind of in nascent stages at, the, at that point that AC wouldn't get an arms race and that they would attract people with their development for the NFL. I mean, obviously complete nonsense at the time <laughs> and it was really set, set this program back. But also then you have so many prominent people getting so fed up with the athletic department under his leadership saying they wouldn't donate as long as Ray's in office. And so as soon as he's gone, we've seen those those checks start to, to come in a little bit. So, I mean, so that was, I think, is far and away the biggest win that ASU could have had during the course of this season. That said, obviously, you got to get that cut back. And, that, that, and Kenny, being a, a, a Valley guy, an ASU alum, he's been harping on the importance of this game, this rivalry to this team, a team that is, of course, you know, comprised of about 78 newcomers. So not a whole lot of guys that have, you know, really faced the Wildcats uh, you know, on the field. So, you know, those veteran players um, like Jalen Conyers talked to him. And he said, you know, he's uh, kind of a transfer himself, but he said that over the course of his couple of years, he's really started to understand this and has been trying to help Kenny to spread that message of what this means and what Saturday, uh, went on Saturday could do for this program. And I wonder because like, I like to compare ASU this season to Arizona a couple of years ago with the new coaches, with we think the programs were at rock bottom. Arizona, of course, went on one a game, lost to ASU in the Territorial Cup, and it was a somewhat competitive game, but they, just, they were outmanned in that one. And then went on and had a banner offseason, like into top 25 recruiting class, you know, got some impact transfers and went on to win five games last season in the Territorial Cup. And then, of course, that's the springboard into what Arizona's been this season. 
Is that the belief that ASU is kind of on the same path? Because, yeah, getting rid of Ray Anderson should help, right, if it improves NIL, improves donations, and just vibes. But vibes don't, like, I'd say vibes don't win games, but I think vibes for Arizona a couple years ago brought about a lot of the change that they've undergone. Is that where ASU is, where it's like, independent of this game, like winning this game would be great, but the most important things that they can do have already been done in terms of rebuilding the roster and getting people more fired up about ASU football, or is this kind of like, they need to win this game to keep that going because a loss to a ranked Arizona, you know, 15 in the college field, like they're, ASU should not win this game, according to the experts. So is this type of situation, if they lose this game, all that goodwill kind of takes a hit? Uh, yeah, I don't really think that like the, the result of this game is, is is perhaps as crucial to the course of the rebuild and uh, Kenny's vision. You know, since day one, or since the, the, the day one of the, the bull band, Kenny's messaging has been, like, the wins and losses don't matter this year. The focus is on getting better and establishing the culture. And as you alluded to, you know, this is what Jed Fish has done in Tucson is really kind of a, a good, like, just look, you know, down the road kind of blueprint for what the Sun Devils should do because, you know, obviously both coaches came in and, and inherited programs that were under, in some pretty difficult circumstances, uh, made some made some growth. Year two is kind of when you saw, like, some more proof of concept and, you know, getting some uh, increase in the talent level. And then, obviously, what the Cats are doing in year three is that's definitely something that the ASC would love to do. Uh, a couple years down the road in the, in the Big 12, but this has really just been kind of like a uh, establish the culture type of year, and that has uh, there's been I think some progress being made on that front. There's been some challenges uh, as well. I mean, you've had guys like even like Jalen Conyers, you know, a star tight end guy who's looked at as oh he's going to be off to the NFL after this one year. He's probably going you know he's going to be an all conference caliber guy. He was in the doghouse for a while because installing that culture is not easy, and not everybody's going to be on board right away. Uh, and but also it seems like the last few weeks after you know his playing time was reduced and some uh, some hard meetings and he's been very candid about I mean, kind of his own in season growth and maturation. But that's just one you know one example. So and I think getting the the culture in place is going to be the priority number one in terms of you know the future uh, tangible um, impact of this program or this season could have on this program. And uh, you know can, we'll see if ultimately what Kenny and his vision and and his um, Outlook for Sunday football actually works here, but obviously after the Hermad were there, they needed to kind of not just like tear the house down to the studs. They needed to kind of just like raise the, the thing, uh, the, the foundation, and because this program was it was in a bad spot. And I just you, you see some fans uh, that have been a little impatient, and just like oh man, Kenny gets in over his head, but. I mean, the state the program was in after the Herm Edwards era was so dire um, that this is going to be something that we don't we might not see you know tangible impact until like year three or so. And I I've all season I've been calling it a year zero just because it's that bad. Like you can't even really necessarily count because you know, the seventy eight new players, new coaching staff, and just you know the the still the looming black cloud of the sanctions from the NCAA doesn't make a great mix. And of course the Ray Anderson situation. So they, at least they can check that one off the list. But I, I do think that as long as the, the culture is in place and, you know, on, on the, 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 on a good trajectory, that would be more important big picture than beating Arizona this, this Saturday, but obviously, you know, taking down a ranked team, getting that cut back would be a massive, massive boost for, uh, in, in that area. And especially with a guy like Kenny, who, uh, as an ASU mom, he knows what that cup can, can mean to represent and uh, push towards in the offseason. 
So, Brad, you talked about all the, I think you said 78 new guys, and that's a challenge of constructing a roster, and I think we've seen that play out over the course of the season. Uh, again, kind of parallel to a few years ago for Arizona, we've seen a lot of guys at quarterback. We've seen a lot of challenges at depth at certain positions. Uh, can you talk a little bit, bit about which position groups are, you know, the strengths of the roster and which are the weaknesses uh, and related to the weaknesses? Are you up to number two on the depth chart at left tackle at this point? Uh, or are you, th- yeah. are you three? Uh, I'm one to see the game. There you go. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, starting the week, um, the offensive line has just been hit so uh, unbelievably hit. I mean, it's every every week. You know, we we'll be out there covering practices and just talking to some other long time. Like every week, it's like the same thing. We've never seen anything like this. Like it's just it keeps getting worse and worse. I mean, they lose uh, their left. Their the uh, Ben Coleman who's going to be their left tackle. Um, he doesn't play a, a snap this year. Um, right tackle Ethan or uh, Emmett Bully, he goes down uh, for the season with a pretty gnarly leg injury. I mean, they, at a certain points, they've had nine of their top ten linemen injured out or limited uh, throughout the season. Uh, the only guy who's uh, they've had through uh, eleven games, they've had ten different offensive line combinations, and it, and it really just kind of manifested. Uh, I think at its peak uh, a couple weeks ago at UCLA when they did the swinging gate formation like twenty six times. And that was just basically an admission of just like we have our line is so battered and beleaguered, we can't handle that UCLA front. So if we just let's just literally move the entire line all the way all up to the side of the field, and it worked. Like it, it was, and that was weird. Like it's such a weird season that in terms of personnel hits, like and the story behind that is they like Marvin Lewis on Tuesday mentioned that back in the seventies, Jim Fossil ran the swinging gate uh, with some pass plays at Utah in the seventies, so they YouTubed it and implemented on Saturday and got a win. So like this is just the, the weirdest year for the crazy. And of course, you know, Trenton Borgay opened the year as number three as the number three quarterback. He's had to play the bulk. The team leader in touchdown passes is Jaden Rashada, who hasn't played since week two. Uh probably a decent chance that he actually plays this week. So um we'll, we'll see if what that situation is like. But just the offensive line has been so hit hard. Uh, by injuries and really from that uh, um, I mean if you don't have a, a you know even below average offensive line play you're really going to struggle on offense and AC really has uh, they've been battered a little bit in the backfield Camp Scadaboo's the guy who does everything but in doing everything he's been banged up and kind of limited and they've not been able to use him as kind of the uh, to the full capacity that they wanted to Carlos Brooks should come back on Saturday so that might help run and keep uh, Scad a little bit more fresh on the more positive uh, side of things, uh, the defense has been, outside of the, the losses to Utah and Oregon, pretty good all year long. Really weird turnover luck. Just they haven't, they've only had three games with turnovers, but by and large, the defense has been pretty good, pretty active. The de- defensive line, especially the edge guys and BJ Green and Prince, and uh, Clayton Smith, uh, have been really good. Prince Dorbaugh is the uh, another edge that has been banged up uh, for the last few weeks. He was the team leader in sacks when he went down. Looks like he might be um, back in the lineup there. So the edges and, and the pass rush has been, have been pretty good. Linebackers a little is uh, just depleted in terms of numbers, but the secondary has also been, been pretty deep. But if you're looking for like an area of strength, I would say that defensive line, um, especially uh, the edges, uh, have been really a pleasant surprise this year. Yeah. So another question for you is somebody that's been covering the team and kind of you know we've talked about the vibes a little bit. Um, <laughs> And how important this game is, you know, every year, I think, for the fan bases, maybe more than the than the teams, especially for guys that are new and with 78 newcomers, you know, 
I guess my question is, do the, do, do those 78 newcomers un- understand what they're going to be walking into with this rivalry in this game? Or do you like, or are they going to be surprised come Saturday when it's uh, a completely different environment and expectation? I think it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how that goes down. And so um, earlier this week, Kenny uh, showed a video that kind of really went in depth in terms of the, the rivalry, what it means, the history of it uh, to the team, just knowing because yeah, like so many guys have, not been a part of this and um you know guys like like Jalen Conyers, Trenton Borgay, the kind of the, the few veterans on this team that have uh, been around and, and participated in, in in these games um have been really trying to you know drive home what this means uh what this game could represent to the season what it means to the fans to the community and um even some talk about just you know if the, a, a win here could help maybe even entice more uh, of those of those donors and boosters to you know get their checkbooks out, um, so it's just been kind of an all hands on deck, and so this you know kind of being a year year zero just complete roster overhaul. You know you might see some some uh, you should see some better uh, outlook on that front in terms of just you know guys understanding and knowing what this means. But the, they've been they've been trying hard to to reinforce this message as quickly as they can because they know that the, the, this uh, on Saturday as Kenny called it kind of the. At ASU, there's a there's two seasons: the first eleven games, and then the Arizona game. And so they know that they're walking into something different, and they know that kind of with the uh, this is going to be it. This is the the, the final game that they're not going to hold. They're going to try to reinforce the you know just not hold anything back and just give it, it, the the Wildcats everything they got. And that certainly seems like might be the difference in this game is if you know one of the teams doesn't come out fired up, doesn't come out you know intense and focused. You know, Arizona, I think we can all agree, is probably the more talented team, you know, in pretty much every facet, but it is in Tempe. I wonder, like, ASU's coming off, they just got housed by Oregon at home. And now, granted, Oregon's probably the best team in the conference. I, you know, if they get to play Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, I think Oregon wins. But it seems like ASU's had, you know, at least recently, they've been susceptible to those blowouts, right? Utah, 55-3. to Now, that was on the road, but still, that's a team that Arizona just beat up pretty good at home. Does this game have the makeup of one where, you know, we'll know pretty early, you think, where if, like last year I thought if Arizona got up big, they could run away with it. They did not. But is it different this year that ASU was just not built offensively to come back, even if Jaden Rashad is the quarterback because the offensive line is so banged up, where if Arizona can get like, you know, 14 nothing lead, 17-3 lead early, that it be the type of game that they could run away with. I'm not saying 70-7, to but a type of game that Arizona could run away with just based on ASU's personnel and their mentality this season. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think that ASU, if they're going to have a chance, they got to muck this up. I mean, the, as I mentioned, the defense has, by and large, been pretty good, and I think that they need to uh, rebound. And and, and the, the last four games have kind of been interesting in terms of like a, a big kind of complete win over Wazoo, then that blowout loss, and they were you know, a lot of questions there about okay, well maybe the wheels are, are completely falling off. But then they they rebounded nicely and, and had a big win um, against UCLA, and then At the Rose Bowl, yeah. Yeah, and then last week, of course, everything you know, going against Oregon, I think, and I agree with you. Like, they're the best, most complete team in the conference. So maybe great on a, a little bit of a curve there, but still, I mean, to get to be on forty-two to nothing at home, uh, bad luck. Regardless of how injury decimated your roster is, that really kind of no excuse there. Um, and, but in, in any event, yeah, I think we're going to find out pretty early because ASU's offense is just not built. I mean, they've had you know the offensive line is you know, it, it is so battered as, as we talked about. Um, you know, some of the questions at quarterback, I mean, if Rashada plays, this is a guy who hasn't thrown a pass in a game since week two. Uh, Trenton Borgay, I mean, model Sun Devil, 
but he, you know, he's also has his physical limitations, but also he's battered as well. He's been playing really hurt. I mean, it's part of the reason why you've seen Jalen Conyers and Cam Scott who take snaps at quarterback and just because he, he's just really kind of got through a lot of injuries. Um, yeah, this is a team that's not built to come down from multi-scores. So they're going to either have to get maybe some creative and Kenny and his bag of tricks get something going a little bit early. The defense has got to be a lot better. We've got they got to see the defense that we saw against that, you know, held uh, Washington without a, an offensive touchdown. That held the, the Bruins just one. I, that's the kind of master class from defensive coordinator Brian Ward. ASU absolutely needs to have any chance in this game because, yeah, if they, come, if they go down by multiple scores, I, th- I think it, it's done. Yeah, and that's kind of what we, we all know how Arizona wins this game, right? If Arizona plays even just their average game this season, they're probably that's probably good enough to win this game. Arizona, I would say their offensive line. You mentioned ASU's defensive line. The offensive line for Arizona has been good. You know, Jordan Morgan, the left tackle, is a first round pick probably. Big Jonah at right tackle was great at guard last year. He's been really good at right tackle. Like chances are, if Arizona doesn't come out and trip over themselves all game, turning the ball over, they're just they'll overwhelm ASU with talent. But along those lines. How does ASU pull off the upset in this game? I think it's like a 10.5-point spread. It's going to be like 10 and 12. How does ASU beat the mighty Wildcats? And I say that somewhat facetiously, facetiously, somewhat sarcastically. I can't say words today. But, like, Arizona's good. Like, they've proven to be a very, very good football team in pretty much every facet. How does ASU, which obviously has struggled, especially offensively, how does ASU pull off the upset? What do they have to do? I think you got to see a game like Washington or, or, or UCLA where the defense is, is just kind of swarms, gets after it, and was able to, to win their uh, their battles at the point of attack and create turnovers because I think ASU needs to be plus multiple in the turnover margin uh, on Saturday. Uh, they were plus four, or I should say they had they created four uh, at Washington were in prime position to win before that, that late pick six. Um but I, I do think the ASU has got to be able to, to, you know, kind of create and steal possessions and get, get after it. Um, and just kind of, you know, plain simple. It might just kind of, you know, be be redundant or uh, kind of basic. But, I mean, this is a defense that is good. Ben, but don't break. But I, I don't think that – I mean, that can get you a win over UCLA or Wazoo. But I, against Arizona, I think they, they need to have, like, big-time splash plays. And uh, the, they need to, repl- to replicate that kind of, like, multi-turnover game. Offensively, um, I mean, it'd be great to see like if they can control the tempo with DeCarlos Brooks coming back. I mean, he's been really effective uh, when he's been able to play this season. Last time he uh, saw saw a game action, three touchdowns, and that'll help kind of I think make Camp Scadble even more effective. Uh, but also, I just think that he's gonna. I mean, we've seen it just a lot, of, a lot of weird stuff offensively. I mean, he's super aggressive in terms of, and I think that you know plays into the you know bull ban and just like whatever. They get like, nothing to lose, right? Be, yeah. Exactly, and so they they really have nothing. To lose. And so, you know, we've seen that the swinging game. We've seen some really, really creative stuff. I, I'm like, we are curious. So really, we we expect some just weird and wild stuff because I think that they're going to go down swinging with everything they got. They might be like just like the UCLA. They might be like YouTubing weird offenses from the 20s or something and rolling them out there. Uh, it's going to get weird, but I, I just think that they have to catch Arizona off guard because obviously the Wildcat defense is uh, much improved and a really good unit this year. And so the ASU does have some some playmate. I mean, obviously Elijah Badger is one of the better receivers in this conference. If Conyers uh, is can able to just be the Jalen Conyers tight end rather than the Jalen Conyers um, Hellcat quarterback, as he been as he's been forced to run these last couple of weeks, and, and maybe Rashad's return. 
if that happens, uh, it allows them to do that. They, they have some weapons, but I also think that the creativity, and you know, of course, you just have to scheme around your off- your offensive line limitations because again, there um, there's so many key guys out. I mean, they might get Sione Finau at left guard back a little bit, but he's not a tremendous difference maker. Uh, might help with depth, but just the, the line's so bad. So it'll be interesting to see. I might see Craig Kenny is one of the better creative uh, offensive minds in the country. So I mean, we'll see what he can do with kind of the, the limitations that he has in place, but. I mean, obviously, so, yeah, defense got to be, like, plus three. Uh, some way, somehow, force a fee, for, uh, Noah Fafita, a guy who doesn't make mistakes into mistakes, and then just kind of, you know, be able to ke- get lucky and catch the cats off guard with some some creative stuff offensively. Yeah, I was going to – before we even started this, I was curious to know, I wanted to get your over-under on number of trick plays called by Kenny Dillingham in this game, and I feel like All it's going to be a really – it's going to be <laughs> – Are they really trick plays over. if it's the offense, though? <laughs> if that's their base <laughs> offense, it's not a trick play. It's just the play. Yeah, like we have two coaches that like to call trick plays. Kenny Dillingham calls it a lot and seems to get him to work a lot. I think it's one of his biggest strengths. And then Jed Fish loves to call the plays, and they don't quite work most of the time, though they had one last week. But, I mean, over under at nine and a half, is that uh, – you're taking the over on that if it's trick plays. Oh, yeah. I mean, that might be – they might run that in the first quarter. I mean, like, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the last few weeks, I mean, like, they had UCLA, they, had this, they ran the swinging gate formation, uh, like 26 out of, like, 69 plays or something like that. Um, and so it's basically a, a, a huge staple to offense. Ran it a little bit less against Oregon. Obviously, Oregon's defensive line was kind of just like, whatever. And, and <laughs> no, we don't care how you through. line up. We're going to go. Yeah. And so, uh, and, but you know, they still ran, uh, you know, Cam Scadaboo at quarterback. I mean, uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so like the last, technically the last two weeks starting quarterbacks for ASU ha- have been Jalen tight end Jalen Conyers and running back Cam Scadaboo. ASU has now had five quarterbacks start this year. That's never happened before. Um, so I mean, yeah, you'll you'll see you'll see that kind of stuff. And I think that um, you know perhaps with, with Rashada coming back, he's mobile. He's looked good in practice in terms of you know his mobility. Maybe that adds some more creative elements now that you actually have a quarterback who can move unlike Trent who's been battling uh, foot and leg and ankle injuries all season long as well so well, you know I'm expecting some weird weird stuff how much would the offense change with Rashad I know he was like the highly touted freshman he was decent in the first two games he wasn't great he was fine obviously you said he leads the team in touchdown passes still but how much would that change <laughs> given that it would be his first game action since week two against a defense that has proven to be pretty good, right? Arizona's been able to get after the quarterback. They stop the run. They have big corners. Like, does Rashada coming in as a true freshman playing his third-ever college game in first in months, how much does that change the offense, or how much would it expect to change the offense? Because obviously that's what you hope to get out of him, but then what you probably will get out of him. I think it has potential to be pretty significant. Um, but I, I do think that the, the rust factor was huge, and I, I, we a lot of us were surprised that, like, even in kind of the second in the blowout last week in the second half, they didn't throw because he had practiced and run some team sessions and stuff for, leading up to the Oregon game. That okay, maybe you get him in there for a couple series, maybe a specific package, just if nothing else, to, to knock some rust off to get him ready for a game that you can actually win against uh, U of A. Uh, that didn't happen. I mean, between series and you know, with the ineffectiveness of the offense and he was throwing and people were expecting and just ultimately never got in. But, um, you know, compared to a guy like Trenton Borgay and Rashada, obviously, and the re- one of the re- primary reasons he won the job is he's a guy that has the arm strength and the accuracy. He can push the ball downfield. Trenton is not a guy that has a, a big arm that can make plays downfield consistently. And now I think with his being banged up as he is, you you really really seen the arm limitations there uh, on display. 
the mobility is another big factor um, that we that uh, Rashada brings. And one of the interesting things that I do that I was kind of a bummer not to see is that in the first three games of the season, uh, offensive coordinator Bo Baldwin called the offense, and the offense really did not do well. Um, and then Kenny Dillingham, uh, Kenny Dillingham took over the play calling uh, duties from week four onward, and it's been a whole, entirely different, more aggressive, uh, greater utilization of the playmakers. You've seen guys like Elijah Badger who had like nine catches in the first three games combined, who's uh, getting, you know, nine, ten catches per game uh, in, in, in large part. And so it's kind of a shame we didn't get to see a guy with the tools of Rashada uh, that establishes great relationship with Kenny Dillingham, that's why he's in Tempe, uh, being able to, you know, run an offense with uh, Dillingham calling those plays. So it potentially could see... Uh, you know, greater difference because the, you know, the passing game has been pretty anemic um, all season long for obviously the offensive line injuries. You're down to your third string quarterback who's playing the bulk, and he himself is pretty banged up. But uh, I think that Rashada just could bring a, a more dynamic element. And you know, going along with the whole like nothing to lose and just you know going for broke, Rashada's a guy that can do that. You know, with with his, his ability to uh, throw the deep ball and uh, keep defenses off balance with his mobility. All right, so the ASU team we've seen in recent weeks may not be the ASU team that shows up Saturday afternoon in Tempe. <sighs> the Territorial Cup, it's here, Brad. <laughs> like, like For ASU, it's the destination. For Arizona, it's just kind of like a, please don't blow it. You know, Don't lose this game. You shouldn't lose. Don't give the cup back against a bad ASU team. I know people say in the rivalry anything can happen, which is true. But generally speaking, I think you have to go back to like 2004 when a team, was one of them was so much better than the other and still managed to lose the game. Usually, like, the teams are just average or both bad going into this game. <laughs> so I think we all agree. We hope for the days that this game matters for both teams, kind of like 2014. Brett, mm-hmm. I think you agree with that too, right? I mean, as long as Arizona wins, obviously. I think most of us can agree <laughs> on that too. But, you know, it's may this be the first, you know, from our sake, Arizona wins, but then starting next year, these games matter a lot more than just for bragging rights <laughs> or just trying to spoil a season. Can we all agree on that? The second part of my statement, anyway, I don't expect you to agree with the first. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think AC fans will be happy with my game prediction um, that I made on, on Speak of the Devil. Well, I, I, we were, I was going to ask you for prediction, but do you, do you want to share it here for Wildcat Radio listeners? Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it, being home and AC is going to go for broke, I think they might catch a, U of A uh, off guard a couple times, but I just think that AC is just personnel-wise just so depleted that they're just not going to be able to catch up. Um, I think like 31-28, but I think maybe that might be a little bit closer. I think AC might get some garbage time points to to make that um, that, that final margin a, a little bit closer. I, yeah, I just think See, AC 31-28 would scare me. That would not make for an enjoyable <laughs> afternoon. Well, I see. Like the way I see it, is like it's going to be like you know, like thirty-one, fourteen, thirty-one, twenty-one, something like. It's pretty comfortable, and then ASU gets like a late touchdown just to make it close. So, but that's when Arizona puts Delora in for a re, like a response touchdown, just because, like so, <laughs> just you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think ASU is going to do the thing I talked about earlier. They're, I think there's not. Gonna, I mean, they're going to fall behind multiple scores early. I think it's going to. They're going to be chasing the whole game, and they're just not built to chase. I mean, the, 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 unless things get really weird, and as you mentioned, yeah. We haven't seen something like this in terms of just like one team being like legit good, one team being legit bad uh, in a number of years. Usually they're somewhat close, but yeah, I think this one is just, there's just too much for ASU to overcome. Well, I know. I think I can speak for Brett Berry when I say we hope you're right about that. At least the <laughs> the win loss thing. Brad Denny, speaking of the Devils podcast, you can find him on the social media at bdenny29. We appreciate the time. We appreciate the insight, and yeah, I think Saturday should be interesting.
Yeah, these game. If, if anything, these games are always interesting. Yeah, not you know, <laughs> heartbreaking. If if not heartbreaking, so Brad, we appreciate your time. We t- we'll take one more break, and we come back. Brad and I will give you our final thoughts on Arizona ASU, the Territorial Cup in Tempe. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and you know, Brad, Brad, Brett, this is hard for me. Person whose name starts with a B, who's on Wildcat Radio 2.0 this week. Arizona, everything points to Arizona winning this game. And everything points to Arizona winning this game fairly comfortably, other than the fact that it's a game they have to play and it's a game they have to win, right? Like, if you, did, if you just looked at it, if it wasn't a rivalry game, and you looked at these two teams, you'd say, yeah, Arizona should win this game, no problem. And Arizona should win this game, no problem. They are better. Whether Jaden Rashada plays or not, Arizona is better in every aspect of the game. And yet, when it's the rivalry, when it's on the road, there's always that fear of the, but what if they don't win? Like, that's where we're at, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my friends around me will know that I say in this game, no matter how good or no matter how bad t- a, a team is in this rivalry, I always just assume it's never more than a 60-40 proposition. Because Which, this, it's not necessarily the case. Historically, it just feels that way, right? And feelings don't win yeah. games, but it feels like it's always closer than it should be or things crazy things happen, but... Like when like Arizona is so much better. <laughs> like we've seen that. We see it all season that they are a significantly better team than ASU, and the path for ASU winning this game is basically Arizona playing its worst game of the season in every way imaginable. You know, turnovers, yeah, they, playing yeah. poor defense, special teams mistakes. Like short of Arizona playing not even just its worst game, but an absolutely miserable game, it doesn't seem like ASU should have enough to beat them. Yeah, the, the Overton window of this game is such that. Yes, is there a path to ASU winning? Sure, but is that uh, you know that that is equally as likely as Arizona winning by forty? Well, it's the right? path to ASU winning is more about like Arizona losing. It seems like, and that's yeah. not. The, I mean, it sounds kind of arrogant, but I think that's what it's like when one team is eight and three, winning five straight, you know, four over ranked teams, and the other is three and eight, and just not very good. Like this isn't you know five and four Arizona, or you know six and you know it's these aren't close teams. Like, nothing that's transpired over the previous 11 games would indicate that these teams are anywhere remotely in the same universe in terms of talent and ability. And that's not to say that an upset can't happen because this is sports and you have to play the game, you have to win the game. But I, I just, it seems like it's about Arizona not playing its worst game. And if that's the case, if they don't play their worst game, and yes, it's on the road and Arizona hasn't been as good on the road, I understand that. But ASU just got destroyed by Oregon at home too, so it's not like they're, you know, they lock things down at Sun Devil Stadium or Mountain America Stadium, whatever it's called now. So it's like Arizona's a much better team. They've proven it. And that's why I feel like there should be confidence in them coming out with the right mindset, with a business-like approach, and winning this game. Yeah, you almost feel like this could be one of those games where Arizona doesn't throw a pass in the second half and they should be able to outscore ASU, right? Their defense is such that if they can contain all of the craziness, you know, uh, Scadabo is a, is a really hard guy to bring down. He's a great player. They use him in a myriad ways. Uh, but yeah, if if Arizona doesn't turn lose the turnover battle, they sh- they it's almost impossible for them to lose the game. It right? seems like it, right? I mean, maybe Jaden Rashada. There's some deep balls because he does throw a deep ball that Trenton Borgay cannot. But even to do that, you have to block. Right? You have to set it up. And one thing about Arizona's corners, like they're tall, lanky corners. They have pretty good closing speed on those deep balls. I mean, Prysak's been beaten a couple of times on passes, but like you have to throw a good ball to beat these corners. But you have to have time to throw it. 
And maybe Rashada, if he's more mobile, because, you know, Shadur Sanders had some success running against Arizona. See, Caleb Williams had great success running the ball against Arizona. But I don't think that's Rashada's game. I don't think that's, you know, like maybe if it's like a third and three or something like that, but I don't think he wants to run, especially coming off an injury, having not seen a lot of this stuff out there. If you can get some pressure on him, if you can stop the run and take that out of ASU's offensive game plan, whether it's from the swinging gate or their, their scataboo formation or whatever they're doing, if you can play just your standard run defense and make them a one-dimensional, he has to throw the ball team, it doesn't seem like, I mean, it doesn't seem like they have enough weapons in the passing game to beat you. And certainly they don't have the mentality to catch up if, unless Arizona turns the ball over three or four times, right? I mean, that, that's what it seems like to me. And, you know, it's, it may sound somewhat arrogant and like, oh, yeah, Arizona's much better, but they are. And doesn't mean the much better team can't lose, but the much better team shouldn't lose. Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of curious to see what Arizona does on defense. And part of that is how many, what percentage of the plays are they running a swinging gate uh, offense where what you intend to do doesn't like How do you practice matter? for that? Like, how much do I you? I think you just practice in terms of, it's, it's, it, it basically forces you to run a base defense, right? And like have, have a, a quickly decide on what your assignments are, where whichever side of the field you're lined up on and where yeah. you're at. Because like, I think if they're lining up under center, you know, Say they're doing that ha- most of the game, which you know, the lining up under center with a normal formation. You know, Arizona, I feel like you can do some delayed run blitzes and some stunts that's going to take advantage of a already bad uh, O line for ASU that'll also generate some pressure. And you have a, you know, they've been doing a lot of the one deep safety with their tall corners, which I think is really effective because it largely makes a deep ball really hard mm-hmm. if you have good corners and one deep safety that can read the quarterback's eyes, right, and see who's getting beat and just slide to that direction. So Gunnar Maldonado appreciation show. Yeah. Hey, give Gunnar his flowers, man. He's been playing better and better uh, the last couple of weeks. And, and, and Dalton Johnson, by the mm-hmm. way, that guy's been a tackling a machine. Yeah. And and that's and that brings up another thing where Arizona's defense we've talked about in the past, their defense their their defense has been tackling better than most Arizona defenses in recent memory, and Scadabo's a guy that's hard to bring down, but they're they're a gang tackling team, and as long as you're doing that, you know you can probably mitigate the big plays. Is he going to get some twenty yard gains? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, but. It's it's about making sure that those become you know ended field goals or punts on those drives rather than ending seventy yard touchdown runs. Well, it's it's the, it's about getting off to the start they did against Utah. You know, if you can, get, I mean, I'm not saying you could block a punt for a touchdown or things like that, but you get the ball and you score a touchdown on your first. You just march down the field and you score a touchdown. You get a stop. You get another touchdown. Because if you can make A's, you be a team that has to come back. And like Brad was saying, like he could see this game where if Arizona gets out early, like that's it because ASU's just not built mm-hmm. to come back. And if like, I'm not saying like they would completely abandon their run, but if you can make them one-dimensional, yeah, maybe Rashada completes some passes. But if Arizona's defense can just pin its ears back and go after a freshman quarterback in his third career start, you'd feel pretty good about that, right? And like Arizona got off to a fast start last season, got the first touchdown, got a turnover, I think, but then turned off it was a 10 nothing game. But last year, the defense wasn't as good as this year's defense. You know, the offense is probably about the same level now, playing at that high level. The defense is so much better this season to where you feel like if you can get that 14 nothing lead, 17-3 lead, you'll lock them down, especially an offense as untalented as ASU's. But that's where it's like the fast start, and Arizona hadn't gone out to fast starts for a lot of the season, but they're starting to play better early in games now. You know, we saw it last week especially. So I, it is really much – it's like we talk, we talk about this like with basketball a lot of times. It's about what Arizona does. 
this is very much what Arizona does. And do they have to play their best game to beat ASU? No, they shouldn't have to. But I would take a good game. You know, a good game beats ASU. A game where Arizona doesn't throw two or three interceptions, doesn't fumble the ball for a team that hasn't fumbled much. Like, they don't really put the ball on the ground. For a defense, and defense is kind of about effort and focus. And as long as they come out playing with effort and focus, they should be able to handle what ASU is doing because they have the talent on that side of the ball that they haven't had in the past. And one of the things that makes me so confident that they will come out and not overlook ASU, not be thinking about their bowl game, no matter what happens to the Oregon-Oregon State game, is that you know, Noah Fafita is a level-headed quarterback. You know, he just plays his game. You have a Michael Wiley. You, know, you have Jacob Cowing as a senior. Defensively, you have J- you know, Jacob, Jacob Manu, who is only a sophomore, but he's very much a leader-type guy. You have your Taylor Upshaws, your Bill Nortons, who have played in these situations before, right, in big games. Your Tyler Manoas, who have played in important games and have played in rivalry games. So the idea that this team's going to come out and be like, yeah, well, we're two touchdown favorites, we'll just show up and win, I don't worry about that. You know, I really don't. And that's a nice feeling to have in a game like this because it certainly feels like the only way Arizona loses is if Arizona loses. Yeah, and, and first of all, you may not be asking for Arizona to get a uh, blocked punt for a touchdown, but I am shameless and will ask for that to happen. Oh, I'd take uh, three of them. Yeah. But, yeah, I I, it, I think you're right. Like, it, the, the, the talent disparity not just in high-end talent but the depth disparity it's the depth disparity is where it really oh yeah like in up. the third and fourth quarter when arizona's running jonah coleman has only had like 12 touches and defensively arizona's been rotating guys and have only played 15 to 20 snaps you know yeah arizona state fans if you're listening in the this long after, after listening to the interview with brad denny expect to see a lot of jonah coleman in this game and, and rightly so if arizona controls the ball and are you know Jed Fish loves him, loves him some trick plays, but really, if they just have some long-scoring touchdown drives and methodically do that early, this game is over because you've already drained the clock. You don't give the mm-hmm. opportunity for rivalry game weirdness to happen. You know, I think they're going to have to take some shots, but, you know, this is a game where Arizona is the team that shouldn't do the trick plays solely to do, do the trick plays. They should just exert their, you know, their will on, uh, on, yeah. on ASU. And, you know, I... <laughs> I think the the unspoken thing that everybody knows is like if Arizona does get up early and ASU's not built to come from behind, I, I think we know that Arizona's not going to uh, take the foot off the gas for a number a myriad reasons. Uh, I'm using that word a lot today, but it's a good for, word for for a lot of. I think you're using it wrong, but it's a good word for for myriad reasons. Myriad, yeah, you don't need the uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I just my I mean, brain. I got your name wrong back. to start this segment, so no no, no one's perfect. <laughs> I, I admit. I included an article uh, in the letter A. You didn't name your best man's name right coming in. So it's got a Brad and a Brett on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Find no, unique names, says the guy named Adam. Um, yeah, it's I, I like I said. I think the most likely outcome the 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 most likely the distribution of outcomes here is there is a path to ASU to win but the chance for a Arizona blowout is bigger yeah in my mind and I think that the motivation for a blowout is bigger and then you know as as a fan I don't want a close game in this one I want to I want to destroy them. oh I want to I want to yeah I want a very comfortable not even just for my own sake but it's like a authoritative victory. Right, what a like, stress-free game. You're you're the better team. You show you're the better team. There's nothing fluky. There's nothing like oh, it took this. Like last year, it took getting a couple of stops late. You know those turnovers. 
Like, if Arizona had won last year's game after the strip sack that, you know, got the ball to midfield, got the fourth down or got the first down to run out the clock, okay, closer than it should have been, but you got the turnover, you ran out the clock, ball game. Instead, you know, going for a fourth down and D.J. Williams tripping, I think, on the third down and not, you know, and not getting the first down. All of a sudden, ASU has another possession, and it took the Manu, you know, hit on Borgay and the Isaiah Taylor interception. Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't need 70 to 7. I would love 71 to 7 or 70 to 6, sure. I don't expect that, but I would expect a nice, comfortable victory where you are the better team and you look like kind of like last week or even, I don't know. I mean, Arizona's had some games like that this season where it's like they've just, they're the better team. They played like it and they win. How, I mean, should Arizona lose this game? And I don't think Arizona loses this game. We'll get to our predictions in a second here. But should Arizona lose this game? Like, what do you think that would mean for this season? Uh, I think there would be disappointment <laughs> you know all the people freaking out that jed fish is le- le- like the stupidness of the coaching rumors is like if arizona wins or loses this game it wouldn't dictate uh whether fish is going to get offered some high-end job or not but in the fans perception in the media it would probably be that he's less the hot thing <laughs> um which is dumb but it's kind of also reality uh i still think there's this season has already been cemented as a smashing success, regardless of the outcome of this game. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, well, that was stupid. Because also, if they lose this game, it's almost assuredly on a series of crazy, fluky things happening. Yeah. Uh, so, like, to some extent, I think that takes some of the edge off if that does happen. Um, so, I, I it, it, this is where it's like, it's a, it's a big game. It's a rivalry game. But, like, you know, Arizona's path is already, like, laid out, unless, you know, we're recording on Friday the 24th. If this keeps Arizona out of the Pac-12 title game, that would Right, be... if Oregon loses, and then Arizona comes out and loses to ASU, woof. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'm not I'm not so sure that it's, from a, from a vibes perspective, I'm not so sure that Arizona winning this game and making the title game only to get throttled is a net positive for the program. Yeah, they'd be playing um, Washington, and you yeah, know, already I'd, hung I'd with Washington more, once. I'd be more nervous if they were playing Oregon, because I mm-hmm. think Oregon would smash this Arizona team. Um, but yeah, I, to answer your question, I think I don't think it takes the shine off of the season that much, as much as it normally would, because they've already been so successful. I think I agree with that, but I also kind of just, it's, it would take some of the shine off, right? Because Arizona, I mean, now we look back and say, oh, they should have beat Mississippi State. Like, now we say that. It wasn't necessarily the case in week two of the season. It was like, oh, that's not a bad loss, right? They took them to overtime. Arizona has done a good job. And granted, they've beaten everyone over the last five weeks. But playing the good teams tough and beating all the teams they're supposed to beat, including some that you know they probably shouldn't have beaten like these, in these top 25 wins, losing to ASU would be something that they haven't shown capable of doing all season long. You know, and that's playing down and losing to a clearly inferior opponent. Would it take the shine off? Yeah, a little bit. You know, just like winning the Territorial Cup and having those bragging rights, that's nice. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like for Jed Fish, if he could go to 2-1 and one against ASU, what, Rich Rod won like two games against ASU? like 2-5 and five or something like that? Like, it matters. Now, not if like if Jed Fish were like, looking for other jobs, whatever. Like that, we're not going to talk about that because right now it's just pointless. Who cares? But to me, it certainly would be like, yeah, you had a good season. But come on, man. Like, that's what it would be. It would add an asterisk well, to what's been a very good season. Would it slow the rebuild? Would it mean all the progress Arizona's made has been put to a stop? No, it wouldn't. You know, it's one game, but it's the regular season finale against your rival who's not any good. So there would be a sense like, well, what the hell happened? 
You know, if it's it, even yeah. the flukiness, it'd be like flukes can happen. You're still, you know, two touchdown favorites over these guys. So what happened? And it'd be nice to not have those questions. And you know, Arizona again, like they've won their last five games and looking pretty good in doing so. It would take them playing their absolute worst game of the season, and you'd wonder why did that happen? Like why why did you come out and play your worst game of the season in the rivalry game? And again, it wouldn't yeah. ruin the season. It would make ASU season. It wouldn't ruin Arizona's. But I think it would take some of the shine off it. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the the con the, the the losing this game also the some of the biggest downside is what could happen with the win. Um, you know, not only just winning your what sixth straight game or whatever it is, uh, and having the positive positivity and taking the cup, but also like. I can't help but be petty in there in my in my mind to be like if Arizona blows ASU out and they can put up a billboard but doesn't even refer to the game it's just an NIL collective thing where they you know pay the NIL pays TMAC 100k to be on a billboard that has a QR code that says <laughs> you know donate to Arizona's NIL and you just show you know show ASU fans how it's done and it would get so much free press that like I think it would be a really smart thing to do um, that like. You, you can't do that if you lose this game. And so that's where it's a little bit I, harder. Yeah. It's a little bit harder to say like, everywhere in Arizona's wildcat country if you lose this game. Yeah. And you could be you could just be like business like petty on that and And for in state recruiting, it's a slightly tougher sell to say this is the program like we're the premier mm-hmm. program in the state if you just lost to the other one. You know, again, like it would be ASU's fourth win of the season and Arizona would still have their record. But it'd be a little bit tougher to be like like if you win this game, especially if you win it by three touchdowns, four touchdowns, it's like, yeah. Like it's in Arizona state you know this is like not arizona it's arizona like this is our state you lose mm-hmm. it's like yeah we're better but then still lost to them so that that's what you don't want to have happen if you're arizona i don't think it happens brett we can give our predictions here i got arizona winning 34 13 who just strikes me as that type of game where arizona you know maybe is up 14 to 3 14 7 gets a touchdown in the third quarter and it's never really all that close like not running away with it but comfortably winning this game just because like ASU, even if ASU plays like I don't know what ASU's best is, you know, offensively, defensively, I don't know what it looks like, but I am confident in saying that if Arizona just plays a decent game, it's going to be good enough to beat Arizona's ASU's best, like no matter what that is. Yeah, I. So I'm the score that comes to mind for me is thirty-eight seventeen Arizona, but I also think it's going to be. I think Arizona's going to dominate the second and third quarters. I think ASU's going to come out and do some trick thing and maybe get an early lead and create a little bit of, like, unease among Arizona fans. Maybe they go up, you know, 7-0 or 10-0, and then Arizona just turns it on, and then they score 38 unanswered points, and then ASU maybe scores something again late in, in garbage time. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I feel confident, but also it's the rivalry game, and we're conditioned to never feel overly confident as Arizona fans, but... Arizona should win this. They should win it fairly comfortably, and it should be a fun time for Arizona fans. Yeah, and we, of course, will be there. So if you're in Tempe for the game, hit up the Wildcat Radio AZ you know, Twitter handle. See if you can track us down. We'll be the guys in Arizona stuff. The only ones. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's 1.30 kickoff at, I guess it's Mountain America Stadium, Arizona, ASU. The Pac-12 finale for the University of Arizona should go out with a bang. Arizona is a better team. I forget. What, I don't know what the spread is at this exact moment, but Arizona is definitely a two-score favorite. Whether Jaden Rashada plays or not, Arizona is a better football team than ASU. So, yeah, should be. Hopefully it's a fun afternoon for us and our listeners because the 
the opposite of that, the inverse is absolutely brutal. Anyway, <laughs> as we wrap up the show, thanks again to Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils for sharing his insight on Arizona State University football and kind of where they're at gives a better idea of Arizona's opponent Saturday afternoon. Of course, you can find us on the social media on the Twitter X machine at Wildcat Radio AZ. If you're listening to us, there's a decent chance you're on iTunes or Spotify. If you're on either of those platforms, subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. If you leave us a review, we will read that review on our show. Um, but yeah, basketball doing well. Football has a chance to put a cherry on top of what's been a very great season, you know, a program-changing type of season. Um, we enjoy all those things. And whatever happens this weekend with Arizona Athletics over the next week, we will talk about it on our next show. But until then, thank you for listening. And remember to bear down. Bear down.